0: Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. Praise the Lord. God is in the room. You know, it's so important that we try to always have our antennas. Tuned, you know, have your spirit alert, you know, not to be slumbering or sleeping in your spirit. What is God saying? We, we, He's, he's alive, you know, the Spirit of God lives in you. Uh, we follow Him, He doesn't follow us. Can I say that again? We follow Him, He doesn't follow us. If you have a theology that says, God, I'm doing this, bless it, your theology's a little off. If He's leading, you follow Him. You follow Him. Jesus said He did nothing on His own, He only did what He saw His Father doing. He only spoke what He heard His Father saying. Uh, he did what He saw His Father doing. This morning, I was struck by the fact that God wants to impart faith. He wants us to come into like a childlike faith. The scripture says those who come to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We must believe. Turn with me to Mark 9. There was a father whose child had uh, was oppressed by a demon. And uh, his disciples tried to cast out the demon, but they were unable to. So they brought him to Jesus. In verse 20 of Mark 9, it says, then they brought him, brought him the child to Jesus. And when he saw him immediately, the spirit convulsed the child and he fell on the ground and he wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long, Jesus asked the father, how long has he been like this? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into a fire and into the water to try to kill him or destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. The father said, if you can do anything. And Jesus' response was, if you can believe, we need to come to the Lord in faith We need to cast off all doubt and unbelief. This is an hour where there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The currency of heaven is faith. Let's enter in with complete faith in Almighty God. Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. Turn with me to John 11, Gospel of John, chapter 11. I spoke, the last time I spoke, I shared about Mary and Martha and their what moves the heart of the Lord. Lazarus was now dead three days, as you recall the story. Jesus, when he heard, did not immediately run to go and pray. Why? This was his good friend. We said at the beginning, he only did what he saw his father doing. He only said. he. In the natural, you hear somebody sick, you want to go to their side. You want to pray for them right away. But Jesus was not led by uh, our the sentimental emotions that we all have, and they're not bad, but you have to be, you're not led by them. <laughs> You're led by what? The Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God was not telling him to go. Actually, the Spirit of God told him, wait. And he told his disciples, This sickness is not unto death, but that we're going to show forth the glory of God. Where how did he know that? The Father spoke that to him. So he waited. Now, three days, you know. Uh, where he was was not very far from where Lazarus was. And when he finally came, Martha goes out to meet him. And we you know the story. We'll pick it up. Um, verse 20. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went out and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's interesting you read some... Further down, Mary had the exact same uh, statement to Jesus, but as I touched on a couple of weeks ago, it was from a different place of the heart. And she said, but even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha responded out of what she understood from Scripture I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Verse 26, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Then the question, do you believe this? That's the question every one of us really must face. We come to God. We profess our faith. We have saving faith. But the question really is, is going forward is, do you have faith to believe that God's bigger than your circumstances? Do you have faith to believe that God will come through, that he will make all thing, work all things together? is is your are your circumstances bigger than your god or is god bigger than your circumstances do you believe the currency of heaven is faith all things are possible to those who believe i want to talk to you this morning about What is God's dream for your life? How do you step into his purposes? You know, whenever we talk about destiny, often sometimes people get caught up in uh, selfish ambition and the desires of their heart. And it's often about more comfort, more wealth, more uh, material things. And uh, that just feeds the flesh. You know, God's for you. He wants you to have life and have it more abundantly. He's not about, you know, he's glad to give you things, but he doesn't want those things to destroy you. So we need to understand and have a right relationship with money, with our time, with with all these things. So God has a dream for your life. And we need to understand what that is. We want to step into his purposes. Turn with me to Matthew 16, beginning at verse 24. This is the first step in stepping into your destiny. Okay? Matthew 16, beginning at verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me." What was the cross? The cross was an instrument of Roman torture and death. <clears throat> it was a symbol that said anyone who defies, this is what happens to the enemies of Rome. You die, on you're, it's a horrible death, and it's a spectacle. You're put up on this thing, you're nailed to it, and you just hang there until you die. It's torture. And to intimidate and put fear into people in order to subjugate a conquered population, they use the cross. So Jesus is using this very sim- symbol of Roman oppression saying, anyone want, who, who comes after me must take up his cross and follow me. You have to deny yourself. Die to your own dreams and desires, and say, God, I want your dreams and desires for my life. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. The outworking of faith looks like something. You know, Jesus, uh, James, in the book of James, it says, you say you have faith, show me your faith by how it works out in your life. If your faith doesn't have an impact on your actions and the way you talk and the way you interact with people, then I question whether you really have faith faith in god. You know, we're not sa- you're not saved by works. You're saved by grace, by faith in god and his his grace. We're saved by grace, not by works. But I'll tell you, Jesus said, "You'll know my disciples how? By the fruit in their lives." What's the fruit? It's the outworking of faith on the inside it looks like something on the outside. Faith in God will transform your life. I'm telling you, when I got saved, I was a different person. If you knew me before and you knew me now, that they're two different people. Thank God that old guy's dead. <laughs> what do we learn from this scripture? God's purpose for your life is that you die to every selfish desire and live unto him. We need to, let me say that again. God's purpose, how many want to know the purpose of God for your life? It's that you die to every selfish desire and live unto him. You know, in the, in the book of Luke, it, it says that right after Jesus, you know, showed up uh, to John the Baptist and he was baptized, it says the spirit took him out into the wilderness and he fasted 40 days and he was tempted by the devil. How many know that was not the only time Jesus was tempted of the devil? Throughout his ministry, there was always temptation put in front of him. I mean, in, in Luke, it says the devil left him at that time to, tempt, to, to find another opportune time. So it was continually happening. One of the temptations that says the devil took him up on uh, one of the highest points of the city, showed him all the kingdoms of the earth... And said, all these I'll give you if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall I serve. He refused to bow down. That temptation would come again. Let's look at John 12, beginning of verse 20. Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast It's interesting, they were certain Greeks, so that meant they were from Greece. In order to be down in Jerusalem to worship at the feast, they had to be people of means. I mean, they they had to, they left where they were, traveled uh, quite a distance, so they had to have some wherewithal. Uh, But here they are in Jerusalem, and they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. So Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of people that wanted to see Jesus or be near him. Why did Philip and Andrew think that we should bring these guys? I, I sort of guess, I, I, uh, I don't know that I can back it up, other than by understanding a little bit of the context, that these were people of means, when they came and they wanted to see Jesus, Philip and Andrew recognized, like, if these guys want to support our ministry, right, we could really take this worldwide. We could, we we could, we could go international. We won't just be Israel. We'll go to the whole Mediterranean world. This, the, the, it's going to blow up. That's how people think. You know, we want to grow this thing. So they they came, sir. We wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them in saying. Saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. I'm sure they were like, yes, exactly. That's what we're saying. We're going big now. (laughs) But then look at verse 24. And then Jesus says, most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. I think Peter and Andrew, Andrew and Philip, their jaws just dropped like, huh? What do you mean? (laughs) Verse 25, he who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Verse 26, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. Where I am, my servant will be. And if anyone serves me... Him, my Father, will honor. What do servants do? Servants do the will of their master. Servants do the will of their master. Servants follow instruction. If anyone serves me, him, my Father, will honor. We're willing to let our lives, to deny ourselves and follow Jesus, saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. I want to follow you. I want to be your son, your daughter. I just, I I want to be like Jesus, which means I want to do the will of the Father. Let me ask you a question. Does God serve your purposes or do you serve his purposes? Does God serve your purposes or do you serve his purposes? That's really central in our our walk. He's not a vending machine where we put our prayers in and get out (laughs) the things we want. We have to live a life that says, God, I want to honor you. I want to serve you. Turn with me to Psalm 139, beginning of verse 16. Psalm 139 says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. What was written? All of the days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. He's written every, he he has a dream over your life. He's got a dream for your life. We need to start to inquire and step into it. God, what did you write? How do I, I want to seek you and find you. I want to follow you. You know, it says in Jeremiah, you'll... You'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's not casual. It's not on the weekends. (laughs) It's a diligent seeking of the Lord. Jeremiah 29.11, it's a scripture that's over the, when you walk into our, our place here at uh, our sanctuary. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So, what are the clues to the purposes of God in your life? I found that interesting. Sal shared a little snippet about history, and I'm going to touch on that, because your history gives you a little bit of insight into what God's plan and purpose is. His his testimonies over your life are signposts of where he wants to take you. Okay, <laughs> a couple of clues. What's your life scripture? Has the Lord given you a scripture that's marked your life? I'll tell you, Proverbs 19.21 is, is, my, is my life scripture. Proverbs 19.21 says, many plans are in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose That prevails it was interesting back in uh, it was like 1987 a lot of years ago I was much younger and uh, I really the Lord had given me a a dream you know he spoke to me it was very clear he wanted me to go to law school and uh, I was stepping into his purposes for my life this was something, it was like a, it was gonna be a second career, but I knew the Lord had spoken this to me. And uh, so I did all the preparation because, you know, when God gives you a dream, it doesn't mean that you don't, oh, I'm just gonna sit back and nothing's happening. You move toward it. <laughs> when God gives you a target, you start to move toward the target. You run at the dream, you run at the vision. So I prepared, did everything you had to prepare for, applied to a number of schools. I had decided that Fordham University was where I really wanted to go. I was praying, I was declaring, I was proclaiming. After all, God had called me to law school, so I figured this is it. This is one of the better law schools. Let me go there. And I got rejected. And wow, I, I had a broken heart. How many, how many of you have ever set your heart on something? Maybe it's even a love, love thing, right? Like you want somebody, but they break up with you and you have a broken heart. But a broken heart can come because you set your affection on something, and it doesn't work out. And I'll tell you, I had decided, like, that's where I want to go. I know the Lord had called me to this. And uh, But right before I got the rejection, the Lord spoke the scripture to me. Many plans are in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Well, I was brokenhearted. I got a rejection letter. I was like, God, I know you call me to this, but I, I really felt the broken up. But this scripture comforted me, and at that point, it became my life scripture. I ended up going to, to St. John's University School of Law, and it was much better than I could have ever imagined, and God did things there in my life that were just so much better. Like, you think you know what's best for you? Let me tell you, God's got a better plan. And, 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 and this is the thing. You have to, when you have a life scripture that God gives you, it's for a reason. It's going to point you in your destiny so that when disappointments or trial or testing comes, it anchors you. This scripture anchored me in that season. Like, I could have been shaken, but God anchored me. Um. So what is your life scripture? How many are on our daily re- Bible reading plan? All right, we got about... Twelve. That's good. <laughs> I encourage you. You can still jump in wherever you're at and uh, just just join where we're at. We read through the Bible in a year. Um, it just it's a it's a tool. The, the daily Bible reading plan is a tool that keeps you in the Scripture. Uh, it's just important because the Scripture is alive and it speaks to you. And if you don't have a, a life scripture, I'm telling you, as you keep reading, it'll come alive, it'll jump out at you, and you'll know, and it'll speak to those situations in your life where you need to be anchored. Okay, uh, another clue, what have been some of the victories or testimonies the Lord has given you? Sal shared about that during worship, your history in God, you need to rehearse your history in God. Um Turn with me uh, to first, champ, first Samuel chapter seventeen, beginning of verse two. I'm gonna I'm gonna start to read a little bit, and I'll 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 try to jump ahead where I can. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah. Ella, and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on one mountain side, and Israel stood on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Goth, whose height was six cubits in a span. How tall is six cubits in a span? It's nine feet. <laughs> He was nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had on bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now, the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And a shield bearer went before him, and he stood and he cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come up out? Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants, but if I prevail against him and kill him, then you'll be our servants. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. How many know that fear is the enemy of faith? Fear is absolutely of the devil. It, it is... <laughs> The scripture says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Where there's fear operating, know the enemy is at work. You know, Donna DeSilva was here this past weekend, and she talked about COVID, how COVID is an illness. It's a virus. It's a physical virus that infects people. But along with COVID came something else. Fear, and that's demonic. And you need to be discerning... As to what's what. Because, you know, there's times when you have to pray for physical healing. And there's times you have to cast out the devil. And if fear is operating, you got to cast it out. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. We should be secure in God knowing that he's for us and not against us. And if, and if that's so, you know, who, who could stand against us? That's what the scripture says. So when Saul heard, going back, verse 11, when Saul heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David, the son of an Ephrite from Bethlehem of Judah, whose name was Jesse, he had eight sons. The man was old and advanced in years. He had three older sons who, the scripture says, went out to war. So Jesse gathers all this food Ten loaves of bread, some wineskins, and a bunch of other things. And he gives it to David. He says, take this to the battle lines. Give it to your brothers and give some to the commander. And um, so David, off he goes. Verse 16, the Philistine draws near, presents himself for 40 days, morning and evening, taunting Israel. Then Jesse said, okay, let's drop down a little more. Verse 20. David arose in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and he went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in a battle array, army against army. And David left the supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, and he ran to the army. And he came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, was coming up from the army of the Philistines and spoke according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Fear is the enemy of faith. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Know who's at work here. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and it shall be the man who kills the, him. The king will enrich with great riches and give him his daughter and give his father, father's house exemption from taxes. <laughs> well, David hears, hears this, and he spoke up. He said, excuse me? <laughs> What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Skip down to verse 31. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul. And Saul sent for David. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. Now, verse 33, Saul said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine and fight with him. You are a boy. You're a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. Verse 34, this is the key. David says to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock i went out after it and i struck it and i delivered it from the lamb i delivered the lamb from its mouth and when it rose against me i caught it by the beard and i struck and killed it your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and the this uncircumcised philistine will be like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living god What was David doing? David was recounting his testimony in God. A lion can weigh like 600 pounds. A bear, maybe even more. These are not kittens he was going against. (laughs) He took out the lion and the bear The testimony of God gave him the courage to take it to another level. God has given you victories in your walk that are signposts of where he wants to take you. David didn't just show up at the battlefield never having experienced any battle. He was by himself. Maybe people didn't know it because he was out in the field by himself. But he went into battle against a lion and a bear. And he had a testimony. And a testimony inspires faith. Verse 37, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the poor of the lion and from the poor of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said, all right, go and the Lord be with you. Verse 38, so Saul clothed David with his armor and put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor, and then he tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these. I have not tested them. Everybody say tested. What's the root word? Test. What's the root word of testimony? Test. He had no testimony using this armor. He had no. He had not tested it. He had no history in God of using a sword and a spear. In years to come, he would. At this time in his life, he did not. He had no experience. He had no testimony of using a sword and a spear. And so David recognized and said, I cannot walk in these. I have not tested them. I want to tell you, your testimony is a signpost of your destiny in God. Verse 40, then David took took his staff in his hand, which is a big stick, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, Why five smooth stones? Why not big stones? Little stone? I don't know. Why smooth stones? Why do you think the Bible makes a distinction that these were smooth stones? You know, David was a boy with a slingshot. How many young men were boys? (laughs) How many used to like to practice things, right? Throwing rocks, skipping rocks on the water or whatever. So David was out and he had to take care of the sheep. He was practicing that slingshot. This wasn't the first time he used a slingshot. He actually took out a lion and a bear. And he knew what he could do with that slingshot. He probably knew what kind of stones went straight. Probably knew what kind of stones, when you throw it, they veer off course. So he was deliberate in picking five smooth stones, he had tested them. He knew what he could do with those stones. God is preparing. I, I say this to say things don't just happen. They happen according to God's purposes and plan. And we need to practice excellence. We need to step into the things that God has put in front of us and be faithful. Faithful. You know, in the the parable of the ten talents, or the parable of the talents, you know, he gives ten talents to one servant and five to another and three to another, and the guy with ten makes ten more, and the guy with five makes five more, and the guy with one or two, he just, like, buries it in the sand. He called that guy lazy and evil because he didn't take what he had and work it, use the talent. But he said to the others, Enter into my good and faithful servant. It, the faithfulness is based on what you do. It's what you have. Not on your intentions. You know, we, it wasn't on his intentions. It's how you, it's putting faith in action, right? It's show me your faith by your works. Like your faith should look like something. Anyway, David had tested these things. He specifically took the, the smooth stones I think because he knew when I th- when I sling this one, it's going to go where I'm sending it. I know God was behind it, but I want to tell you, God gets behind when you put your, sh- your effort into something. He prospers what you, you know, what you put your hand to. Whatever you set your hand to will prosper. It says in uh, Psalm 1. Okay, so he picked five smooth stones from the book he put them in his shepherd's bag, and a pouch, which he had, and his sling in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Now he was drawing near to the Philistine with the weapons that he had tested, part of his testimony. So the Philistines began to draw near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before Goliath, and when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was a boy. <laughs> Ruddy, kind of cute, but that's what it says. So the Philistine said to David, "Am I a dog? You're coming out with sticks and stones to break my bones." No. And and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, "Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field." David was not intimidated. David had a testimony. David knew, if God delivered me from the hand of the lion and the hand of the bear, he's going to deliver me from your hand. And he said, you come to me with a sword and spear and with javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air. I think this qualifies as trash talk. <laughs> but David's words were words of faith. David understood who he was representing. The Philistine was cursing him by his gods. But he said, "You, this day I, the Lord will deliver you into my hand." Then all the assembly shall know, David said, that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hand, into our hands. So it was when a Philistine arose and he drew near to David. Did David kind of tiptoe toward him? No. It says, then David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He ran at Goliath. Fear didn't enter the question. You know, courage, I don't believe courage is the absence of fear. Because fear is a spirit. Fear will try to dissuade you, discourage you, intimidate you, no matter what, no matter where. The question is, who will you believe? Who will you follow? Will you submit to fear and cower away or will you say no to fear? I, I don't think there was no fear involved. I think David's faith overwhelmed his fear. Is, he said, I'm going to deliver, God will deliver you into my hand. His faith was greater. What's greater in your life? Who are you focused on? Are you focused on God or are you focused on the problem? You know, we can't, if you focus on the Goliath, you'll magnify him. If you focus on God, you'll magnify him. Whatever you focus on, you magnify. So when the the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag as he's running toward the Philistine and took out a stone. (laughs) Pulled out one of those five smooth stones. And he put it in his slingshot. And he slung it. And he struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead. And he fell on his face. So David prevailed over the Philistine. I don't think that just happened. I think David was practicing with his slingshot. I think David got pretty good with that slingshot. I think when the lion came and the bear came, he went, he says he ran after them and he took it. And I think the same way he used his testimony of taking out the lion and the bear, he was able to run at Goliath and know he was better, that God would deliver him. Your testimony is a marker. Of the purposes of God in your life. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up. Rehearse your testimony. Life is a preparation. Your journey in God up till this point has been a preparation for where God wants to take you next. Rehearse your testimonies. Hold on, find your life scripture. What is God speaking over your life? It's going to come back again and again. I'm going to tell you, many plans are in my heart. I've had different plans not work out, whatever. I always fall back on many plans are in my heart. But God's purpose, that will stand. Things don't work out the way you want. You know that God's purposes, they'll stand. Your testimony is a signpost of where he wants to take you. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil to give you a hope and a future. He's got you. Can we all stand? We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at Life Center NYC or YouTube at Life Center Church NYC.